Section 7 of Sam Lawson's Old Town Fireside Stories by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Section 7 The Ghost in the Captain Brown House. Now, Sam, tell us certain true. Is there any such things as ghosts? Be there ghosts? said sam immediately translating into his vernacular grammar well now that thar's just the question you see well grandma thinks there are and aunt lois thinks it's all nonsense why aunt lois don't even believe in the stories in cotton mather's magnalia wanna know said sam with a tone of slow languid meditation we were sitting on the bank of the charles river fishing the soft, melancholy red of evening was fading off in streaks on the glassy water, and the houses of Old Town were beginning to loom through the gloom, solemn and ghostly. There are times and tones and moods of nature that make all the vulgar, daily real seem shadowy, vague, and supernatural, as if the outlines of this hard, material present were fading into the invisible and unknown so old town with its elm trees its great square white houses its meeting-house and tavern and blacksmith's shop and milly which at high noon seem as real and as commonplace as possible at this hour of the evening were dreamy and solemn they rose up blurred indistinct dark here and there winking candles sent long lines of light through the shadows and little drops of unforeseen rain rippled the sheeny darkness of the water well you see boys in them things it's just as well to mind your granny there's a considerable sight of gumption in grandma's you look at the folks that's all as telling you what they don't believe they don't believe this and they don't believe that and what sort of folks is they why like your aunt lois sort of stringy and dry there ain't no sorption got out of not believing nothing lordy massy we don't know nothing about them things we ain't been there and can't say that there ain't no ghosts and such can we now we agreed to that fact and sat a little closer to sam in the gathering gloom tell us about the captain brown house sam you never did go over to the Captain Brown house? No, we had not that advantage. Well, you see, Captain Brown, he made all his money to sea in furrin' parts, and then come here to Old Town to settle down. Now, there ain't no knowin' about these year old shipmasters, where they's been and what they's been a-doin', or how they got their money. Ask me no questions, and I'll tell you no lies is about the best philosophy for them. Well, it didn't do no good to ask Captain Brown questions too close, cause you didn't get no satisfaction. Nobody rightly knew about who his folks was, or where they come from, and if anybody asked him, he used to say that the very first he knowed about himself, he was a young man walking the streets in London. But you see, boys, he had money, and that is about all folks want to know when a man comes to settle down and he bought that there place and built that there house he built it all sea captain fashion so's to feel as much at home as he could the parlor was like a ship's cabin 
the table and chairs was fastened down to the floor and the closets was made with holes to set the casters and the decanters and the bottles in just as they be at sea and there was stanchions to hold on by and they say that blowy nights the captain used to fire up pretty well with his grog till he had about all he could carry and then he'd set and hold on and hear the wind blow and kind of feel out to sea right there at home there wasn't no miss captain brown and there didn't seem likely to be none and whether there ever had been one nobody knowed he had an old black guinea nigger woman named quassia that did his work she was shaped pretty much like one of these year great crook-neck squashes she weren't no great beauty i can tell you and she used to wear a great red turban and a yellow short gown and red petticoat and a great string of gold beads round her neck and great big gold hoops in her ears made right in the middle of africa among the heathen there for all she was black she thought a heap of herself and was considerable sort of predominative over the cap'n lordy massy boys it's allus so get a man and a woman together any sort of woman you're a mind to don't care who tis and one way or another she gets the rule over him and he just has to train to her fife some does it one way and some does it another some does it by jawin and some does it by kissin and some does it by faculty and contrivance but one way or another they allers does it old cap'n brown was a good stout stock kind of old john bull sort of feller and a good judge of spirits and allers kept the best in them mer cupboards of his'n but first and last things in his house went pretty much as quasia said folks got to kind of respectin quasia she come to meetin sunday regular and sat all fixed up in red and yeller and green with glass beads and what not looking for all the world like one of them ugly indian idols but she was well behaved as any christian she was a master hand at cooking her bread and biscuits couldn't be beat and no couldn't her pies there weren't no such pound cake as she made nowhere well this year's story i'm going to tell you was told me by cynthy pendleton there ain't a more respectable gal old or young than cynthy nowheres she lives over in sherburne now and i hear tell she sot up a manty-making business but then she used to do tailoring in old town she was a member of the church and a good christian as ever was well you see quasia she got cynthy to come up and spend a week to the cap'n brown house a doin tailoring and a fixin over his clothes twas along toward the first of march cynthy she sot by the fire in the front parlor with her goose and her press board and her work for there weren't no company callin and the snow was drifted four feet deep right across the front door so there weren't much danger anybody comin in and the captain he was a perlite man to women and cynthy she liked it just as well not to have company cause the captain he'd make himself entertainin tellin on her sea stories and all about his adventures among the ammonites and the parasites and the jebusites and all sorts of heathen people he'd been among well that there week there come on the master snowstorm of all the snowstorms that had been that there was the beater and i tell you the winds blew as if twas the last chance it was ever going to have 
well it's kind of scary like to be shut up in a lone house with all nature a kind of breaking out and going on so and the snow a coming down so thick you can't see across the street and the wind a piping and a squealing and a rumbling and a tumbling first down this chimney and then down that i tell you it sort of sets a feller a thinking of three great things death judgment and eternity and i don't care who folks is nor how good they be there's times when they must be feeling pretty considerable solemn well cynthy she said she kind of felt so along and she had a sort of queer feeling come over her as if there was somebody or something round the house more and appeared she said she sort of felt it in the air but it seemed to her silly and she tried to get over it but two or three times she said when it got to be dusk she felt somebody go by her up the stairs the front entry weren't very light in the daytime and in the storm come five o'clock it was so dark that all you could see was just a gleam of something and two or three times when she started to go upstairs she sees a soft white something that seemed going up before her and she stopped with her heart a-beatin like a trip hammer and she sort of saw it go up and along the entry to the cap'n's door and then it seemed to go right through cause the door didn't open well cynthy says she to old quasia says she is there anybody lives in this house but us anybody lives here says quasia what do you mean says she says cynthy i thought somebody went past me on the stairs last night and tonight lord a massy how old quasia did screech and laugh good lord says she how foolish white folks is somebody went past you was it the captain no it weren't the captain says she it was something soft and white and moved very still it was like something in the air says she then quasia she haw hawed louder says she it's hysterics miss cynthia that's all it is while cynthia she was kind of shamed but for all that she couldn't help herself sometimes evenings she'd be a-settin with the captain and she'd think she'd hear somebody a-movin in his room overhead and she knowed it wasn't quasia cause quasia was ironin in the kitchen she took pains once or twice to find out that there well you see the captain's room was the great front upper chamber over the parlor and then right opposite to it was the great spare chamber where cynthia slept it was just as grand as could be with great four-poster mahogany bedstead and damask curtains brought over from england but it was cold enough to freeze a white bear solid the way spare chambers allers is then there was the entry between run straight through the house one side to old quasia's room and the other was a sort of storeroom where the old captain kept all sorts of traps well cynthia she kept having things happen and seeing things till she didn't really know what was in it once when she come into the parlor just at sundown she was sure she see a white figure a vanishing out of the door that went towards the side entry she said it was so dusk that all she could see was just this white figure and it just went out still as a cat as she come in well cynthia didn't like to speak to the captain about it she was a close woman pretty prudent cynthia was but one night about the middle of the week this year thing kind of come to a crisis 
cynthia said she'd been up pretty late a sewin and a finishin off down in the parlor and the captain he sot up with her and was considerable cheerful and entertainin tellin her all about things over in the bermudies and off to chiny and japan and round the world gin'lly the storm that had been a-blowin all the week was about as furious as ever and the captain he stirred up a mess of flip and had it for her hot to go to bed on he was a good-natured critter and allers had feelings for alone women and i s'pose he knew twas sort of desolate for cynthy well taking the flip so right the last thing afore going to bed she went right off to sleep as sound as a nut and slept on till somewhere about morning when she said something waked her broad awake in a minute her eyes flew wide open like a spring and the storm had gone down and the moon come out and there standing right in the moonlight by her bed was a woman just as white as a sheet with black hair hanging down to her waist and the brightest mournfulest black eyes you ever see she stood there looking right at cynthy and cynthy thinks that was what waked her up cause you know if anybody stands and looks steady at folks asleep it's apt to wake em anyway cynthy said she felt just as if she was turning to stone she couldn't move nor speak she lay a minute and then she shut her eyes and begun to say her prayers and a minute after she opened em and it was gone cynthia was a sensible gal and one that allers had her thoughts about her and she just got up and put a shawl round her shoulders and went first and looked at the doors and they was both on em locked just as she left em when she went to bed then she looked under the bed and in the closet and felt all round the room where she couldn't see she felt her way and there weren't nothing there well next morning cynthia got up and went home and she kept it to herself a good while finally one day when she was working to our house she told hepsy about it and hepsy she told me well sam we said after a pause in which we heard only the rustle of leaves and the ticking of branches against each other what do you suppose it was well there it is you know just as much about it as i do hepsy told cynthia it might have been a dream so it might but cynthia she was sure it wasn't a dream cause she remembers plain hearing the old clock on the stairs strike four while she had her eyes open looking at the woman and then she only shut em a minute just to say now i lay me and opened em and she was gone well cynthia told hepsy and hepsy she kept it pretty close she didn't tell it to nobody except aunt sally dickerson and the widder b g smith and your grandma badger and the minister's wife and they every one of em agreed it ought to be kept close cause it would make talk well come spring somehow or other it seemed to a got all over old town i heard on it to the store and up to the tavern and jake marshall he says to me one day was this year about the captain's house and the widow loker she says to me there's been a ghost seen in the captain's house and i heard on it clear over to needham and sherburne some of the women they drew themselves up pretty stiff and proper your aunt lois was one on em ghost says she don't tell me perhaps it would be best if twas a ghost says she she didn't think there ought to be no such doings in nobody's house and your grandma she shut her up and told her she didn't ought to talk so 
talk out said i interrupting sam with wonder what did aunt lois mean why you see said sam mysteriously there allers is folks in every town that's just like the sadducees in old times they won't believe in angel nor spirit no way you can fix it and if things is seen and done in a house why they say it's cause there's somebody there there's some sort of deviltry or trick about it so the story got round that there was a woman kept private in captain brown's house and that he brought her from furrin parts and it growed and growed till there was all sorts of ways of telling on it some said they'd seen her a-settin at an open winder some said that moonlight nights they'd seen her walking out in the back garden kind of in and out among the bean poles and squash vines you see it come on spring and summer and the winders of the cap'n brown house stood open and folks was all a-watchin on em day and night aunt sally dickerson told the minister's wife that she'd seen in plain daylight a woman a-settin at the chamber winder atween four and five o'clock in the morning just a-sittin a-lookin out and a-doin nothin like anybody else she was very white and pale and had black eyes some said that it was a nun the captain had brought away from a roman catholic convent in spain and some said he'd got her out of the inquisition aunt sally she said she thought the minister ought to call and inquire why she didn't come to meetin and who she was and all about her cause you see she said it might be all right enough if folks only know just how things was but if they didn't why folks will talk well did the minister do it what parson lothrop well no he didn't he made a call on the captain in a regular way and asked after his health and all his family but the captain he seemed just as jolly and chipper as a spring robin and he gin the minister some of his old jamaiky and the minister he come away and said he didn't see nothing and no he didn't folks never does see nothing when they ain't looking where it is fact is parson lothrop weren't fond of interfering he was a master hand to slip things over your grandma she used to mourn about it cause she said he never gin no point to the doctrines but twas all of a piece he kind of took everything the smooth way but your grandma she believed in the ghost and so did lady lothrop i was up to her house t'other day fixin a door-knob and says she sam your wife told me a strange story about the cap'n brown house yes ma'am she did says i well what do you think of it says she well sometimes i think and then again i don't know says i there's cynthia she's a member of the church and a good pious gal says i yes sam says lady lothrop says she and sam says she it is just like something that happened once to my grandmother when she was living in the old province house in boston says she they sure things is the mysteries of providence and it's just as well not to have em too much talked about just so says i just so that there's what every woman i talked with says and i guess first and last i've talked with twenty good safe church members and they's every one o opinion that this year oughtn't to be talked about why over to the deacons t'other night we went it all over as much as two or three hours and we concluded that the best way was to keep quite still about it 
and that's just what they say over to needham and sherburne i've been all round a hushin this year up and i ain't found but a few people that hadn't the particulars one way or another this year was what i says to lady lothrop the fact was i never did see no report spread so nor make such sort of searchings the heart as this year it really did beat all cause if twas a ghost why there was the pint proved you see cynthy's a church member and she see it and got right up and searched the room but then again if twas a woman why that there was kind of awful it give cause you see for thinking all sorts of things there was cap'n brown to be sure he weren't a church member but yet he was as honest and regular a man as any goin as fur as any on us could see to be sure nobody knowed where he come from but that weren't no reason agin him this year might have been a crazy sister or some poor critter that he took out of the best of motives and the scripture says charity hopeth all things but then you see folks will talk that there's the pester of all these things and they did some on em talk considerable strong about the captain but somehow or other they didn't nobody come to the point of facing on him down and saving square out captain brown have you got a woman in your house or hain't you or is it a ghost or what is it folks somehow never does come to that you see there was the captain so respectable a settin up every sunday there in his pew with his ruffles round his hands and his red broadcloth cloak and his cocked hat why folks hearts sort of failed em when it come to saying anything right to him they thought and kind of whispered round that the minister or the deacons ought to do it but lordy massy ministers i suppose has feelings like the rest on us they don't want to eat all the horrid cheeses that nobody else won't eat anyhow there wasn't nothing said direct to the cap'n and just for want of that all the folks in old town kept a bilin and a bilin like a kettle of soap until it seemed all the time as if they'd bile over some of the women tried to get something out of quassia lordy massy you might as well have tried to get it out of an old-time turkey that'll strut and gobble and quitter and drag his wings on the ground and fly at you but won't say nothing Quasia, she screeched her queer sort of laugh and she told him that they was a making fools of themselves and that the captain's matters weren't none of their business and that was true enough as to going into Quasia's room or into any of the storerooms or closets she kept the keys of you might as well have gone into the lion's den she kept all her places locked up tight and there was no getting at nothing in the cat and brown house else i believe some of the women would have sent a search warrant well said i what came of it didn't anybody ever find out well said sam it come to an end sorta and didn't come to an end it was just this sheer way you see long in october just in the cider baking time abel flint he was took down with dysentery and died you remember the flint house it stood on a little rise of ground just looking over towards the brown house well there was aunt sally dickerson and the widder b g smith they set up with the corpse he was laid out in the back chamber you see over the milk room and kitchen but there was cold victuals and such in the front chamber where the watchers sot well now aunt sally she told me that between three and four o'clock she heard wheels a rumbling and she went to the winder 
and it was clear starlight and she sees a coach come up to the cap'n brown house and she sees the cap'n come out bringing a woman all wrapped in a cloak and old quasi came after with her arms full of bundles and he put her in the carriage and shut her in and it driv off and she see old quasi stand looking over the fence at her it she tried to wake up the widder but twas towards morning and the widder allers was a hard sleeper so there weren't no witness but her well then it wasn't a ghost said i after all and it was a woman well there it is you see folks don't know that there yet because it's just as broad as tis long now look at it there's cynthy she's a good pious gal she locks her chamber doors both on em and goes to bed and wakes up in the night and there's a woman there she just shuts her eyes and the woman's gone she gets up and looks and both doors is locked just as she left em that there woman wasn't flesh and blood now no way not such flesh and blood as we knows on but then they say cynthy might have dreamed it well now look at it t'other way there's aunt sally dickerson she's a good woman and a church member well she sees a woman in a cloak with all her bundles brought out of cap'n brown's house and put into a carriage and driv off between three and four o'clock in the morning well that there shows there must have been a real live woman kept there privately and so what cindy saw wasn't a ghost well now cindy says aunt sally might have dreamed it that she got her head so full of stories about the cap'n brown house and watched it till she got asleep and had this year dream and as there didn't nobody else see it it might have been you know and sally's clear she didn't dream and then again cynthia's clear she didn't dream but which on em was awake and which on em was asleep is what ain't settled in old town yet end of section seven the ghost in the cap'n brown house